Svelte Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Svelte Radio. As uh, you probably know, we are back after the summer. This is the second episode. I'm joined by my co-hosts as always, Anthony, Brittany. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hopefully this, this week's recording will go a bit better and we don't have to <laughs> record over two days. Varying uh, audio issues and all sorts of fun stuff. So today we, we have the first guest of the season, I guess we could, we could say. We're joined by Jason, Jason Bradnick. Hi, Jason. Hello, hello. Hey. So you are famous, I guess you could say, in the, in the Svelte community for building something called Wolfensvelte, right? And we're going yep. to talk a bit more about that. But before we get into it, maybe, maybe we can just hear a bit about you. Uh, how did you find Svelte? What's your background? So for your first question, I found Svelte, not trying to throw shade, but because of View 2. So back in the day, I was first starting out trying to figure out how to build stuff on the web, and View 2 didn't like jive with me, and then I found Svelte. And considering I didn't even know JavaScript at that point, it just kind of clicked. So that's kind of how I found Svelte and just kind of fell in love with it ever since. And for my background, I am a self-taught developer. I've done everything from game dev all the way to like desktop applications. I've been doing this kind of, I think, 10 years now. And that would mean... I started at about 11, so it's oh, been wow. quite a journey. Yeah. So you're pretty That's young crazy. then. Yeah, I am going to be turning 22 this upcoming February. Oh, wow. That's amazing. With regards to like the, the projects that, you, that you've already built, I am already super impressed because I could not and build those. And, and I probably have a bright future a ahead of you. <laughs> yes, it does sound yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, hey, thank you. Yeah, so so your your projects are are really cool. So let's start a bit with the Svelte language server that you've been working on. So a couple of episodes ago, we had Paolo and Antonio on from Svelte Labs, uh, and they so that's the that's the kind of unofficial REPL for Svelte Kit at this point, I guess, and uh, it makes it easy basically to to just. Try out SvelteKit, because the regular Svelte REPL doesn't support SvelteKit yet, I guess. Yeah. We'll see it. We'll see if it if it gets SvelteKit support. But yeah, so tell us what, what is this Svelte language server stuff that you've been working on? What what does it what does it give us? Like what are the features that users can expect from from something like this? So essentially, if you were to take your everyday experience of using the like Svelte language server, whether it's through the VS Code extension or one of the community-made language clients, you get the same exact experience. You get cross-file, semantic, IntelliSense. You get essentially everything is the best way to describe it. So you get hover tooltips better than the ones that are currently on like learn.svelte. And then better than the ones that are currently on Svelte Lab. So uh, that doesn't sound nice at all. I hate features. No, I'm getting. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that sounds great. Like that's one of those things that 
you're kind of missing it in the, in the REPL all the time. Like, oh, where's the autocomplete? Where's the et cetera, et cetera, right? And just bringing that extra extra stuff into the browser makes the experience so much better. So I assume the Svelte language server is maybe not something that would work out of the box on the web, right? Nope. No. <laughs> so you kind of need, <laughs> I guess you need Node. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I guess you could say you need it, but maybe you don't. <laughs> That's something that would work with web containers. It's something that could work with web containers, but it would just kind of, at least my understanding of it, it would be kind of building on the wrong foundation. So you could get it to work, but should you get it to work? That's another question on its own. So right. it's hard to run in the browser. Yeah. Or impossible. <laughs> The route I took, honestly, it's probably more of a sturdier foundation because I essentially just emulate Node in a way. So you got everything from full file system, you got process, you got basically everything you would want. Chakadar, I think that's how it's pronounced. That works for file watching. You got file descriptor emulation, you got everything. So... It's all covered. So it so- sounds like you've uh, you've had to, I guess, make make shim made shims for for a lot of these features that don't don't exist in in, in on the web platform. How hard was it? <laughs> so it wasn't too hard. It was just kind of really complicated to figure out because the main thing was how do I get. TypeScript to say, hey, this is a node system. How do I get PostCSS to run? How do I get all of the preprocessors and Svelte preprocess to work? And then on top of that, you have to incorporate a whole bunch of surrounding infrastructure to the point where it's just kind of like too much to be considered sane to go about doing it, I would say. But it's definitely a task so yeah so how did you figure out what to do in terms of oh i need to shim like the file system how did you how did you figure it out so to be completely transparent it wasn't uh, me who initially figured it out i kind of built on top of i i can't remember the name let me google it vs code web so the guy i don't have his name but um he's i think a contributor to svelte and he did an initial monaco editor implementation and then he did a vs code web implementation however it was okay but there were several things that i spotted that could be improved where in the original version that I based mine on, they just didn't work. So I just kind of took bits and pieces from what he did and kind of incorporated it into something that is kind of more all-encompassing, I would say. Right. That makes sense. And um, we'll we'll figure out the uh, a link or something to this person and we'll put, put them yeah, in. Yeah, when we find it, we'll find it is. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I actually uh, just found it. Oh, uh, there you go. I'll send it to Kev on Discord. Cool. Yep. I do not recognize this name, 
but uh, <laughs> we shall put it in anyway. Stick in the show notes. Yeah. So, and any any other things that you when you built this thing or when you worked on it that you, that stood out as difficult or easy or like something that you think might make sense to mention? So, one of the complicated things was trying to essentially inject all of my patches, all of my shims, all of that into all of the dependencies and then get it to actually work properly. So based on the original code that I kind of stemmed mine off of, it wasn't fully there. But getting it to a point to where it was working and it actually worked pretty well, I would say took like a month and a half, maybe. Wow. That's not, that's not too long. That's, well, I mean, it depends on how depends many hours on, you... Yeah. yeah, if you're going at it like nonstop, that's a pretty long time. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. At least four hours a day. Yeah, well. all right, yeah. Cool. So I guess maybe we can talk a bit about uh, one of your other projects, because and everyone is the so before we move on sorry is the svelte language server in this the svelte labs experience yet or is it it's coming up it's a work in progress i have a draft pr open and i think there is a deploy preview live but that current build that's up isn't fully properly working i'm still trying to figure out what's going wrong but i've definitely made progress since then so i would say within the next week maybe two weeks i probably would have it ready for them to review oh oh that's awesome so stuff to look forward to in the in the svelte labs uh, repl then maybe even i wonder if this could also be kind of backported into the the svelte language server so so this is like the the way that you would use the language server, like have it web first, and then it could work anywhere. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about the language server. Maybe maybe it might make sense to reach out to uh, Simon Doomdidum to talk about that. I think he might be interested in, in chatting yeah, about he, it at least. He is captain language server. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next up, unless you, Anthony, Brittany, you, do you have do you have any questions? That you... No, this is honestly over my head. This this kind of stuff, yeah, I, I have same. like great admiration for those who understand it. Because for me, it's like, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's talk a bit about the more visual stuff that you've done. The hackathon winning submission, Wolfensfeld. So I guess the actually, I'll let you explain what it is. Okay, so my summary of what it is, is it's a svelte port of Wolfenstein 3D. It's kind of half guesswork and half, okay, this is how it's supposed to be in the original game. And it's, it works. That's kind of like the big picture there, so. Well, yeah. When you say it's guesswork, which, which bits are guesswork in, in your mind? A lot of it. So there's the enemy AI that's kind of guesswork, kind of right. based off the original. There's thing. There's actually quite a lot. So it's it's 
not true to the original, but it's good enough to a point to where if I wanted it to be true to the original, I could definitely get it there. So so what inspired you to to clone a game which to be fair predates you by about 15 years i honestly have always been like a fan of id software of course doom doom 2 then you got wolfenstein of course but also i'm like a big quake guy and i was playing a lot of quake 3 arena around the time i decided to enter the hackathon so that just kind of had me in the mindset of okay let's just do this so yeah, that, cool. that's interesting. Did the hackathon make you actually start doing it? Or, or was that like the, the thing that got you to start working on it? That's, that's good to know. Honestly, I never even thought about it before the hackathon. And by the time I decided, okay, hey, let's just enter and see what happens. It was already, I think, March 3rd. So right. I built the initial implementation in a little over a month, I would say. Well, yeah. So in terms of the 3D engine, because obviously the Wolfenstein 3D engine is not really a 3D engine. It predates the, I think John Carmichael or whoever wrote the, the first true 3D engine for Quake, I think Quake 1. So it uses this weird kind of, it's almost, I remember talking about it, like you see the walls splay outwards as you walk towards them because it's not really 3D and you can't look up and down. So is that engine, is that something you've implemented from scratch and gone, I'm going to replicate this behavior? Or is it an off-the-shelf engine, which I can't imagine exists, because why would it exist when the Quake engine exists? But how did that come about? My my implementation, it's not at all... If you had a 10-foot pole and you were trying to touch my implementation, <laughs> you wouldn't reach it. It's that far off from the original, <laughs> because... This doesn't use like ray casting. It doesn't use any of the like techniques that the original would have. Is that a buffer? Mine actually, yeah, like all of that. No, this just is simple. It's just okay. We have a grid. Okay, let's just put a whole bunch of walls up and then good to go. So it's okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so that's, for- that's kind of how I see the Wolfenstein engine anyway, really, to be fair. But, uh, yeah okay yeah <laughs> from from what i understand it's it's all so one, one would think that this uses something like canvas and and 3d rendering kind of things but but from what i understand it's just css and html is, is that correct or yeah if if you were to load up e1 m1 and open up dev tools you could go down a few element layers past the scene and all that. And then you would just see a whole bunch of like divs popping in and out and just a whole lot of style tag abuse. So <laughs> yeah, so do, it's pretty, just out of interest. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's, it's incredible that it's actually fluid doing that. Yeah. Cause yeah, you would think absolutely. like with the, with the Dom limitations, you, you would run into issues. Yeah. There's definitely like a lot of issues surrounding that. So if you have too many divs, of course, then everything gets slow when you add on all of the RNG and all of the actual like game on top of it. It got to a point to where it would crash my browser, but I managed to optimize it enough to where you could play it on like your iPhone. So it's kind of 
exercise in optimization, I would say. Just use the shadow DOM. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a question then, uh, and this because I did a, a 3D module in university and it was quite taxing for me at the time. I found it pretty difficult, but I learned a fair bit from it. Do you use any matrix transforms in that 3D engine or is it purely kind of manual? That's actually a good question. So originally I was going to use like actual matrix and all of that, but then I just decided, okay, screw it. Let's just, okay, take a translate 3D, a rotate. And that's essentially the core of like what actually yeah. makes makes it work. So it's it's pretty simple if you think about it compared to what you would expect. Yeah, I, I suppose I suppose translate translate and transforming CSS is doing those transforms for you. I suppose it just it just saves you writing them yourself. I guess. Yeah. CSS has come so far. We have so many things yeah. that we didn't used to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. This is all uh, open source as well, right? You can you can go check out the the source code for this, and it's surprisingly not that many components in there. From what I from what I saw, it's it's pretty cool. You can do a lot with with very little code sometimes. This is one of those yeah. examples. It's only about just over six thousand lines total, I think. So. Yeah. That's insane. That's the way I like it, though. Automate as much as you can. Like, just create some basic components and just do what you need with them. There's also, I remember this, maybe you've worked on this a bit more, but there was also like an editor where you could make maps, I guess. Yeah, so, that, I scrapped it, yeah. but <laughs> it's kind of one of those nice things to where like if i were to do multiplayer which i'm kind of debating on it would be nice to have that to kind of have your own maps that you play with your friends but yeah the editor that was kind of a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe if you had more time and more to just work on Wolfenswelt, maybe it would have been a good idea and if you if you were making lots and lots of of maps but Maybe it's easier to just define it. How, how do you actually define the map at the moment? Is it hard-coded or, or what's the thing there? Okay, so I'm trying to debate on that. I would say it's technically hard-coded because now what it's doing is it's reading the original like game files and building the maps off that. But for the original hackathon entry, I opened up uh, Tiled, the... Um, map editor and i just made the maps by hand which was really tedious mm -hmm. right that's uh sounds like a lot of work <laughs> it took i think about two days to make e1 m1 so yeah and that's the first map of of uh, wolfenstein 3d is it or because i don't remember from from wolfenstein if what what the what the thing looked like even so yeah, the the first level in Wolfensfeld, that's E1M1, which is also the first level of Wolfenstein. So we'll put a link to to uh, to this map so so listeners can go and go and play around with it. Yeah, I, th I think the general way people have emulated game engines before is just taken a bin file from the game itself and then you know written a parser for it and, and read it out and, and displayed it. But I think going going from scratch is certainly a 
what do you call it? Like it's like a twist, a twist isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think the next thing to build in JavaScript in, in Svelte is, is Seam Hospital. I think that would be a great candidate for it. <laughs> so you're gonna be thinking now because <laughs> someone's done it someone's done it in like c or something they've made a free a free engine you get the game file and stick it in there but no one's done it on the web that's yep. actually surprising with how big that game is right <laughs> theme hospital uh i remember try like great, I, I used to play game. that a bit i don't know if it is that great though I never played Come it. on. I what? actually like can't even remember what you're talking about. I yeah, might so, have to go. <laughs> when Jason finishes so, so, it, when Jason finishes it, you can play it. <laughs> I mean, is, is is that a suggestion or is that a challenge? Because <laughs> Ooh, which which is more likely to incite you into doing it? <laughs> I would say make it a challenge. <laughs> okay, then it's challenge. a challenge. Then it's a yeah, challenge. I never played this. It feels like Consider a lot of work, done. though. Awesome. <laughs> Consider it done. This is what I need my employees yeah. to be like. <laughs> this looks like more components. You're going to need more components. <laughs> you can have like a doctor eh, component. No, nope, nope, just three. Just thing one, and then wall, floor, and then that's it. That's it. And then yeah. you need like, <laughs> like a Boolean, like has, has it got inflaty, inflaty head syndrome, whatever it's called, that they get and stuff. Yeah. Just gonna pass different <laughs> colors and stuff into them, make them look different. Yeah, and then the oh yeah, banana sense. skins, all the banana skins. They need to be components all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Brittany, Theme Hospital is basically like a think of it like The Sims, but you're running a hospital, kind of. That, okay. That's the gist of it, and it's a really old game. It is, and it's, okay. but it's, but it looks kind of neat. And and the the thing about it is, all these all these characters, like you hire doctors and and staff and stuff, and they they have all these characteristics, and they just make me laugh because it's like, oh, you know, he's very meticulous, he's very good at what he does, but he's lazy and he smells, you know, and it's like, mm, okay, we'll take him. <laughs> oh jeez, we'll take him anyways. Yeah, <laughs> pretty fun game. He's cheap as well, right? So. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's uh, move on to, to you've got a third project. I don't know how you have time for this, uh, but apparently you do. So this this animation library that you've been working on, what was that? Is the animations in Svelte not enough for you? Oh, definitely not. Once Svelte <laughs> adds motion path and like actual backwards compatible motion path, then I would consider it enough. But yeah, the animation library, it's essentially me getting frustrated with using GSAP at work and just saying, okay, I can make this better and smaller. And that's kind of like the thing that drove me to spend so much time on it, but it's actually coming together. Yeah, cool. So uh, GSAP is, is probably the most well-known animation library for the web, I guess. Yeah, there's also, there's also some some other options like uh, is it motion.dev is that yeah yeah so what's it like working with something that builds animations for people or rather lets users build animations i guess it's, it's also complicated <laughs> it's complicated but the Good thing is with the web animations API, which is what mine's based on, just like um, motion dev, it's it's easy up until you get to the part of like actually doing motion path. That's 
definitely where it gets tricky and then also doing like custom easing functions. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's kind of a lot of effort for something that I could just download a library for. Right. Yeah. This is one of those like moments when, when I, cause I don't know much about animations and stuff. It would be great to, to like have someone like actually knows what to ask you about animations. Cause I don't know. Brittany, I mean, Anthony, uh, do you, do you know <laughs> any, any stuff about animations? I mean, not over like the spelt stuff really like i've just done some basic animation stuff nothing like more complex which is probably why i haven't needed to reach for i mean i've used gsap before especially for like the scrolling effects that you need to like move things with scroll like svg scrolls but i barely even reach for libraries to do stuff like that so yeah it's kind of a big draw for spelt for me is that it's kind of built in the stuff i would use on a day-to-day basis because I just end up getting quite overwhelmed by like animation libraries. I think GSAP is a good example. I guess two things. One is it's yeah, you need to really learn it. Like it's a whole new kind of skill. And I think the other thing with it is it when I last used it at least, it was probably about five, six times the size of my app. Because it's, you know, it wasn't tree shakeable, it was just all in one like bang, here's here's all of Greensock, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Yeah, I think it's like thirty kilobytes. Yeah. It's definitely reduced the size, but in that, that, that point, then because it was, I was thinking it's just a bit too heavy for you know a bit of flash, <laughs> bit of flare. But that that flare often, I, f- I find that like small details often brings you a lot of like joy. It does, but that is it sparks joy. But it, it does, but that is that is kind of the the draw of felt right. It's just kind of there and it's already in, and you just you know stick it in and you've got the you've got the flare. I think. For one animation or for one thing, it's really cool to have like GSAP there, but you'd have to use for multiple things to really get the benefit from sticking that whole library in. Right. Yeah. So how's the like what's the API like? How are you designing the API? How how does one use NanoMate once it's production well, maybe not production ready, but ready for someone to to consume? It's probably gonna be a little bit before it gets to like a point to where I would consider it usable, but Currently, the way it works is just like if you were to do element.animate, the keyframe syntax, it's the same. So you can have a single object with array properties and have your keyframes in there, or you can just have an array of a bunch of keyframes, except with this, it's fully typed for one. And also you can do like shorthand for scaling rotating stuff like that and it will use the more well-supported i would say regular translate or transform properties rather than doing the standalone styles yep oh that makes sense have you have you looked at threat by any chance i have a little bit but i'm not too familiar would you be able to like go into some of the things it has? Yeah, so so Threlt is basically a wrapper around D3. So it's not an animation library, I guess, but it's it's more of like a... It's just like I like the, the Threlt kind of API, the way of using Threlt. It's really nice, and I thought maybe you could look at it for, for inspiration for, for like the, the end developer experience, basically. 
But yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely something to take into consideration because I remember at Svelte Summit there was kind of that whole hype about Throughout, and that kind of got my eyes first on them. And I've seen a little bit of the syntax, and honestly, I think it looks very clean, very maintainable, and kind of just what you see is what you get. So, yeah, well, that's it's it's a really nice library. I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't played around much with it. It's like all of this this stuff. I I, I never play around with the visual kind of libraries. I want to play more with with animations and stuff. It's almost a little niche because you build 3D apps with it. So you need like yeah. that thing to build to build that with it. Maybe you could build like a 3D version of Theme Hospital in Thrilled. <laughs> you probably could, right? They, they built some <laughs> yeah. games using Thrilled. So that's yeah. not, it's not impossible. <laughs> Any other things you want to mention about the, the animation library? I guess for that, I would say... If if you want less of a headache than GSAP, but you want something that's probably going to be more broken than using Motion 1, check out my library. It'll make your day. I think that's a great sell. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's honest. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Any, uh, any other questions for Jason? Or are we going into the spicy section? I think spicy time, because we do also spicy have time. 14 minutes till... The announcements of Svuelt, where we can where we combine <laughs> with the View project and, and become it's a crazy Svuelt. day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brittany, you're you're also interviewing Thomas at in a couple of hours as well, right? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Thomas is one of the people behind the Melt UI library. If 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 you don't already. Yep. Know. And we're just talking about how he's been converting all of these packages over to Svelte, which has been pretty impressive. So, cool. so our, our takes will have to be short and spicy takes, let's say. Okay. So then I think you should go first. Okay. My short and spicy take is... Oh, crap. I've forgotten it. That's not good, is it? <laughs> it's very short. No, it's way too short, isn't it? I had it before and one has gone. Oh, it's gone. No, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Okay. No, <laughs> no spicy take. No, I'll, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. Yeah. I'm going to pass because I don't have oh. a spicy take today. Well, that's quick. Brittany, Jason, do you do you have one? Honestly, I would say if you want to use CommonJS, go for it, but please don't work with me. <laughs> I'm good on that. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, I love it so much. That is part of the pain, right? Like the CJS ESM nonsense that happens. And I was going to say something about Node, and I don't want to add to the hate in the Node ecosystem right now, but I had, I don't know if y'all remember, I had those prettier issues that day. And like it was, it's been removing random things and doing random stuff, and it's been conflicting with our config at work. I thought it was the extension. Like I started with kind of the thing I thought that was the most obvious, like the extension is messing with it dove into that. Nope. You know what it was? My node module cache. Ooh. So I had to remove my node modules and reinstall and it fixed everything. I went from having 877 files it wanted to format to zero. Wow. I was an angry bear. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't even know what my unpopular opinion is there. I don't want to add to the node hate, but it's really frustrating 
to get like stuff like that that happens all the time. Yeah, in I guess ecosystem. I guess my controversial opinion, because I can't think of my original one, would be something along the lines of it's okay to like different things. People can use whatever framework they like, or they can use React, or they can use Vue or Svelte, doesn't matter. It's all the same. What I would say is that this doesn't apply when it comes to, for example, a standard, because standards that differ make things really, really hard to interoperate with each other. So have different preferences and do what you like, but try to agree on a single communication mechanism or method or a single way of importing files like i like that bun's gone ahead with the whole dual thing but no just just pick one it's probably better <laughs> have you got the I same like have you got the same cup as me Brittany? ah uh, yeah is it the syntax one? Oh no this one's got my name on it ah there it is oh syntax ah. I this one but it is the same cup i think it is yeah it's a very yeah. similar cup yeah it's a yeti nice cup. Yeah. merch nice. nice yeah it's nice I have the skate deck like out of view too. Ah. It's really nice. I have. Oh, no. <laughs> do you do you skate? This thing is crazy. It's huge. I don't skate. It has no wheels on it. I'm just oh, using right. it as like decoration back here. That's cool. Did they already Im- invent the the hoverboard with the LK99 <laughs> thing? That I think those exist, but well they're liked. absurdly expensive. Right. Yeah. Cool. We should go into picks then. In that case. Yes. yes. Yeah. Do you, do you guys, who wants to go first? I have a pick if it's easy. Go for it. Yeah. So my pick is basically, I forgot this one as well. How can I forget that one? This is not good. This is not going well. There's too much pressure. <laughs> All right. I'll go. I'll go. Okay. So I think I picked this a couple of episodes ago. I might have, but I'm going to pick it again because now I've actually played it. So I'm going to pick Sea of Stars. Sea if you stars. like old style JRPGs like Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy VI. This is a new game by an indie company. That's really fun. Uh, nice. I've been enjoying it a lot. That's my pick. Very cool. My pick's come back now, if it's okay for me to interject. Yeah, so my pick, my pick yeah. is basically around, because you know I got the solar system installed. This is why it slipped my mind, because I was thinking about it so much and it's gone now. So yeah, I got this solar system installed where I've got solar panels on the roof and battery and all that kind of stuff. And I found out the other day that they, they also, the same power company, give you a cheap rate during the night to charge your EV, whatever. But you can also charge your home battery with it. And so now, because the weather in England is turning because winter's coming, I can't quite generate enough with my small system to power us every day. So what I do is I use the cheap rate from the power company to charge my battery, and it costs like 7.5p a kilowatt or whatever, rather than 34.5p a kilowatt in the day. So I end up running off the battery half the day, use the solar when it's available for the rest of the day and effectively covering my entire power usage with the cheapest rate. But even better, they allow you to have both tariffs at once. So I'm actually selling any spare electricity back to them. I'm, sh- I'm selling their own electricity that they cost. They charge me 7.5p for back to them for 15p a kilowatt. And my free stuff off the roof is any of that spare. So I'm making money. <laughs> this Hacking is not how power should work. Hacking the system. So <laughs> no, but I, is, I, I... it's great. <laughs> I think that is how power should work. <laughs> it is. And, and actually, what I learned about the way Octopus work is that sometimes um, they have a thing called a, an agile tariff, which are basically every half hour, the price changes. And they, they notify your phone saying it's going to about two quid a unit next hour because it's really a premium. So mm. don't do any washing or whatever. You know, sometimes they'll say it's free and sometimes they'll pay you to use it, yeah. which is bizarre. And the reason they wow. pay you is because the grid can only take so much power. Yeah. So basically, they've got too much power and they need you to use it. So they're willing to pay you to use the power, which is great. 
Yeah. I love energy grids. Like I've nerded it yeah. down on this so much. The fact that the energy grid has to have this particular frequency, if it goes yeah. up or down, it just like either you get brownouts or you blackouts or you get like fried electric appliances everywhere. Yeah. So it's kind it's okay. kind of amazing that that it works. Because it's that that carries the power across the grid, right? Yeah. So it's it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean, power is fascinating. The more you learn about it, and you can just keep learning more and more and more. Yeah. I was watching one of those, that YouTube guy, I can't his name is, he does loads of videos on like why things are the way they are, why refrigerators work and all that kind of stuff. Wish you remember his name though. A Veritasium? No, it's, it's, a, it's a guy, he's, he's very comical and well-spoken. Is it like uh, Tech Ingredients or something? Tech Connections? He's got a weird name like that. And I can't it. I'll, yeah. I'll put it in the show notes anyway when we find out. But uh, it's it's fascinating to watch. All right, cool, cool. All right, Brittany, Jason, do you do you have any? You can go ahead, Jason, if you have one. Are you still thinking of one? I yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got you. I guess my pick would be Lenovo ThinkPads because even though the one I bought back in June kind of died, I got this one for a pretty good deal. So hopefully this one lasts longer than two months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hopefully, hopefully that lasts longer. Otherwise, we might have to go back and remove the pick. <laughs> yeah. I had a fallback one. I don't know. Like All I do in my free time is we watch a couple of TV shows at night, and we've been watching the morning show right now, which is pretty good. But last week, I picked Silo, and I finished that book I was talking about. And the book... I could not put the end of it down. It was just like so good to read. So if you liked Silo, if you went and watched Silo, I think Wool is the name of the book, the first book in the series, and it is really good. I do want to read it, but I don't. I don't oh, want to no, ruin the it's future shows for, for me. Yeah, no, the... it's spoiled forever, but <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> you will never believe what happens. Oh, stop. <laughs> I'm going to have to read it then. Ah, uh, damn it. There we go. A little peer pressure. Yeah, that's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> External motivation is what I call it. <laughs> all right. So I think that's it for us. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Jason. It was a pleasure having you. Hope you had a, a good time joining us as well. well I mean, Super, hey, thank you. Anytime. Super you. interesting projects and everyone should definitely go check them out. Where can people find you? Are you on Twitter? Actually, by your own suggestion, I'm right. on Twitter. And then there's also, of course, GitHub. And I guess my Discord, if you're really that inclined. Uh, it's the same <laughs> thing as like my Twitter and my GitHub. I, so I guess you could hit me up on there. Send me pictures of your cats if you have them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. It's Snuffy Dev. On Twitter, right? Uh, yeah. All right, nice. we'll put these in, in the show notes and hopefully you'll get a lot of cat pictures. I'm so we'll see we'll, what you do in the future. Yeah, yeah. which will be Theme <laughs> Hospital. We'll see you in massively <laughs> multiplayer online Theme Hospital. Oh, wow. Hey, uh, wow. don't forget the microtransactions. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, can I have that too? microtransactions. <laughs> <laughs> and with that said... Thank you for everyone joining us online and listening, and we shall see you all next week. Bye. Hey.
It's Kevier. If you like the show, please drop a review on your favorite podcast player. It would help out a lot. Thanks.